0: Hello and thank you for joining us today as we walk shoulder to shoulder, growing in love of the Lord and each other. I'm Megan Silas. And I'm Pam Marvin. This is the second part in the series that we're kind of doing
1: about race and culture. Okay, we're going to focus on culture because as uh, the discussion has gone on, we really have found that the differences that divide us the most are really culturally based and not race based.
0: Yeah, I would definitely say that at least, you know, obviously I can only speak of my personal experience, but the reality is for me. I feel it is easier to understand a person who has grown up in circumstances that are similar to mine, regardless of their race, than I feel capable of understanding a person who grew up in circumstances that are very dissimilar to mine. So, you know, I grew up in a middle class family in a more rural setting. So not in a city at all, very, live, you know, grew up in a very rural place. And so it's easier for me to feel like I understand and am comfortable around uh, somebody who grew up in that sort of milieu than somebody who, say, grew up in a very impoverished socioeconomic situation in a city. Like, that is a world away from my understanding. Or even somebody who maybe grew up in very, very wealthy, um, you know, In some posh circumstances, like it just on the exterior, you know, it's harder for me to relate to those people if they're different from me from a socioeconomic and a cultural standpoint than race. And I think that it's also important to talk about because I think it impacts the church quite a bit. Mm. Um, how there are very many different cultural expressions of the Catholic faith. And sometimes we have a hard time like understanding each other. Like, you know, your average, you know, white person, American Catholic, Their experience of what it is to live out the Catholic faith can look vastly different from somebody who grew up, say, in Mexico or South America or grew up in Africa Africa, or grew up in India. Like those are very, very different expressions of the faith that stem from culture. And so how do we get to this place of acknowledging the beauty of the diversity in the culture, but still maintaining the unity Mm -hmm. within the faith? And so I think that's, uh, for me, a, a really more powerful question than than the race question. Uh, so true. Because it, it is, that experience so much forms how we view the world, so how we true. view each other. And I
1: have a really great example that okay, just great. came to Give mind. It. Yes, It was so awesome. So... Um, I had a season in my life where I had two friends that were around me a lot that were from Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Both of them had immigrated here straight. So they grew up um, childhood to adulthood all in Nigeria. And I would sit at their feet and learn of the richness of their Catholic faith that they grew up with. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites was, this is from Father Uche Umbikulu who was a pastor here um, several years ago, that when he was a boy, all of the families on his block, let's say, in the street, at a certain time in the evening would call everyone together, still outdoors, and they would all say the rosary together. The kids, it was time to pull the kids in from the play and the parents from work, and as a block, they would say it together. Wow, that's beautiful. Isn't it amazing? And my now-departed sweet rose... God rest your soul, she taught me that when they were so strict about understanding um, the sacraments really well, like First Communion, confirmation, that you had a rigorous test. And if you didn't pass that test, you were not <laughs> entering into that sacrament. I mean, they were like strict. I respect that Is so much. I right? Wow. And I remember just being in awe. Of right. that type of Catholic culture
0: that they grew up in. Because, of course, here it's not like that. Right. And, you know, I really want to just take that example because it's beautiful to kind of unpack what can then happen mm-hmm. in that scenario. So you can imagine now if that person from Nigeria who had that experience comes to the United States. And then they experience what happens here. They could look at us, because I'm going to say us because I'm from here, not from Nigeria. Um, They can look at us as Catholics. And there's two choices they can make as far as what they see. They can either decide, okay, they do it differently here. Let me try to understand where they're coming from. Or they can just look at it on the outset and be like, they don't take their faith seriously. These people are, you know, milk toast, lukewarm. And I, you know, I have to be here now, but like, I don't really respect that. Right. So those are, and then on the other side, the people, they, uh, as these Nigerian folks were come into the United States and, and experience Catholicism in this place, the white people here or the Native American, Native. American people, not Native Americans, but Native American people, the people you, who yeah. grew up in, in the United States in that culture, could look at the Nigerians and think one of two things: Wow, look at that! Look at the beauty of the expression of their faith, like so you were cool. experiencing, like I you sure were saying, was, yeah. "Oh my gosh, this is beautiful." They take it so seriously, and it's and it's so profound to them, and and everything. They could have that, or they could have the opposite. Like oh my gosh, they're so rigid, they're so strict, they're, mm. you know, they're just, you know, legalistic. Like you could think about this test and you're like, sure. oh my gosh, they're so legalistic. They're not really understanding that, you know, the sacrament is meant uh, not only to have everything at the f- but to get grace through that sacrament. So you're not going to have it all down when you first receive it. Like, so there's two different ways that each of those, you know, groups can approach each other. But sadly, I think a lot of the times we go with the negative instead of the positive. The, that's different. I don't like it. It's less than, as opposed Mm -hmm. to the, that's different and intriguing. Let me learn about that.
1: Right, right. So
0: we've said this many times on the
1: podcast, and it's always bears repeating to remember that as human beings, we are wired for fight or flight which generally means toward the negative. That's why mm. we're so drawn to that negative because it was inherently given to us for our safety, right? But as people of God, as children of God as believers, God's calling us to kind of rewire that back to him and rewire toward the positive, right? So mm-hmm. let's always remember that. So if you always find if you do find your your thoughts going more negative and divisive, say Stop. You know, let's just what is it? The put the pause on, right? right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then start to go back and and look at it from God's or a heavenly perspective.
0: Yeah, and I think one of a really fruitful ways that you can move beyond this negative assumptions about things towards positive understanding. Because, you know, we've said in previous podcasts, as we, you know, you you were talking about the rest and, uh, sorry, the fight or flight, Mm -hmm. and that the opposite of that is rest and digest, right? And so what we can do in those scenarios, instead of just lumping people into a group, Hispanics do that. Nigerians do that Um, you know Americans do that you know Asians do that like instead of doing that when you are in the presence of a person who has had different experiences than you has been raised in a different culture than you say what does Jane or John do let me learn from Jane and John the why's the how's Take it from the general to the personal and enter into relationship so that you can actually learn. Because what you find a lot of times is all our preconceived notions, all our judgments, all of these, this negativity that we often just assume about others can be dissipated when we learn the truth Mm -hmm. of a heart of another.
1: I, uh, my spiritual guide told me this many, many, many years ago, and I thought it was so beautiful. It's like um, kind of a a one of many um, definitions of humility. Humility is everyone you meet has something to teach you, so be sure to listen and learn. Very good. Isn't that great? That's Because if you good. really hold that in your—you know, I started holding that, like, with the person that annoys me the most— when that person's coming down the hall, I'm thinking (laughs) this person has something to teach me and in, in humility
0: and with God's grace to listen and learn. Great. Yeah. But I do often think that even if a person maybe would have that desire, there's a sense of fear about approaching somebody who's different than them, you know, because there's an uncertainty about, how that will be received, you know, that person is like, oh, you know, they're, they're really different. And I don't, I don't really know much about, you know, what offends them or doesn't offend them. Or I don't want to, you know, I'm just afraid of looking like an idiot or I'm afraid that maybe they have preconceived yeah. judgments about me. And, you know, they're going to think that, you know, these things about me, it, it does take courage to, Breach divides, you know, to, to step across the dividing line of culture and socioeconomic status and reach out to another person in confidence and and say, in, you know what, maybe you won't be received well. Maybe that person does have prejudices against whatever you are, but do it anyway, right. you know, get all Mother Teresa on it, right? Like yeah. do it anyway, right. because there's so much richness in human experience, so much. In, in each individual soul, you know, we've talked about this before on other podcasts. I can't remember which one it was exactly. But this idea that every single human being on this earth was created by God to reflect a unique and beautiful aspect of who he is. So that idea that we can learn something Mm -hmm. from every person, it's not that we can learn some sort of, you know, intellectual intellectual thing or whatever, scholarly, (laughs) right. We can literally learn something unique about God from each individual. And why would we want to miss out on that opportunity? Right. For sure. And, but it takes courage to say, you know what, I'm going to reach out. I'm going to, I'm going to, cast aside what society tells me are dividing lines and live in the truth that we are called to oneness. Right. There, is, We are called to, you know, ultimately when all things are made new, when the Lord comes again and there's a new heaven and a new earth, and there is truly one bridegroom, one bride, one flock, one shepherd, there will no longer be any of these dividing lines. You think the saints in heaven care. Like who grew up wealthy and who grew up poor, who grew up in this country or who grew up in that country, who grew up, who was this race and who was that race. The saints in heaven don't care. All they are is delighting in each other and delighting in the Lord. That's right.
1: So beautiful.
0: And if we're called to, you know, have this kingdom come on this earth as it is in heaven, that's right. Let's start acting like we want that.
1: Right. So what I'm seeing, too, again, we'll go back to something that that was echoed in the last podcast was about the division or keeping you small. So I think that Mm -hmm. division is made to keep you small and for you not to grow and for you to be stunted in your own little world. So anything that like challenges you and stretches you. And that's usually uncomfortable, right? Right, is going to be there for your good. I mean, let's talk about that kind of abandonment to divine providence. That if the Lord has put this particular person in your path, whether you find them annoying, let's say, or you find them
0: um, delightful, or even just confusing, you just challenging, confusing, yeah, like put you, you know, feel off guard. Yeah, those are those are good. But you know, I would say that. We, if we're going to really, really live out lives that are ordered towards heaven, we have to start living as if we want what heaven has, Mm -hmm. which is this beautiful unity and trusting in the goodness of another that God has created others good. I mean, it's, it's who we're called to be.
1: Right. And you can see it just kind of echoed um, across the globe right now. Culturally, the differences, whether it's socioeconomic or um, a different kind of cultural atmosphere that people are in. Or even political, right? Now, these
0: are the days where the political is so like, I mean, I will be I will admit there are times when I'm like. People on the other end of the spectrum, as far as, you know, political things and the way that the governments are moving in these days, like I have a hard time understanding another person over on that far side away from me. Like, how could you believe that? How could you advocate for that? What could possibly be in your heart that you could think that's a good, Right. right? I don't, I don't even get it a lot of times, but the reality is, is because I'm looking at them as a group, right? Mm -hmm. But if I have an opportunity to really talk to a person, often you can find that even if true story, what they're advocating for is actually evil is bad. What you'll often find if you really attend to someone is that they are actually seeking a good. Now they may be doing it in a way that's disordered, right? But you learn the heart of the person and that they're actually seeking a good. And this this reality plays out not only between cultures and, you know, between groups, but actually plays out within our own souls. That is so true, Megan. Right? Our own sin often is mm-hmm. us seeking a good in a disordered way. So even just understanding somebody else in that way can help us to a deeper understanding of ourselves, right.
1: And so oftentimes as you're saying that I'm seeing that the misplaced compassion, like so many people um, myself included, I guess at times would see doing an action that was seemingly an act of compassion um, to care for everyone equally or something along mm-hmm. those natures, which in the long run could be hurtful, hurtful or harmful to, to do too much care and, and not enough self-reliance.
0: Yeah. But anything that like in the end diminishes, you know, an individual's dignity is is going to be a problem, right? And so, but that's not always so obvious to everyone. Do you know it, what I mean? But you know, I mean, through true. our Catholic lens,
1: through our Christian lens, I think it becomes a little more clear for us, and, and maybe that's where the disconnect is because we live in such a secular society. When you know, perhaps that they, uh, you know, there's one of the socialist um, mantras really is do good at any cost, right? Right. Which is, you know, if that means you got to kill somebody to to
0: feed the poor, then do it, you know, and that's not right. Right. Yeah, that's not good, right? It's just... But getting, you know, kind of, I wanted to hearken back to that, um, you know, verse from St. Paul about, from Galatians, where he says, you know, there's neither Jew nor Greek, nor slave, nor free, nor male, nor female, because we're all one in Christ Jesus. As we're, you know, kind of going to the second part of this topic of, you know, crossing the dividing line of culture and and socioeconomic status and political affiliation, all those sort of things. This has been my experience. When there are people who truly love Jesus, it is the shortcut to getting past all that stuff. Like I have had these experiences of on paper, another person should not match up with me at all. Like their background is totally different. They're a totally different age. They come from a totally different background. They're a totally different race. But if that person truly loves the Lord, it's like all those things fall away. They just fall away and you see each other and see him in each other. And you're drawn to that. Like, I've said recently to some friends that to me, a passionate lover of the Lord is irresistible. Mm -hmm. I am actually Mm -hmm. helpless to resist someone else who loves the Lord. Like, it's (laughs) like I am so drawn to them. I can't, I can't fight it. I just, I'm just like you love the Lord. Yes. Yes. I want to know you. I want to be in a relationship right. with you. I, I want to share that with you. That passion. Right. Yeah. And so really, let's in love the, him together. And then what that, we're doing, right. Shoulder to shoulder,
1: loving exactly. him together. Exactly.
0: Right. And in the end, in a way, that is the motivation, hopefully in our hearts as Christians for evangelization, to come to a place where we can share in the Lord together more and more and more with more and more and more people evangelization isn't about putting on you know our judgments or you know trying to appropriate uh, other people's stuff and like to take away their whatever their culture is or whatever their background is that's not what evangelization is at its heart what evangelization is is to say i want us to share the only intimacy that in the end truly matters mm. and that is the shared love of Jesus Christ
1: so true beautifully put beautifully put Megan
0: so I mean I think that what is the motivation to cross the lines find those people in those other camps you know the ones that say that they're supposed to be separate from us find lovers of the Lord and then together walk shoulder to shoulder with those lovers and spread the love of Jesus spread it spread it mm. like the virus that really is the only virus that should be spreading right now mm. the only one we should really care about yes the only contagion worth being <laughs> being taken up right and the truth of the matter is no matter how hard the enemy works there is no vaccine mm-hmm. that can you know prevent the power of the lord there is nothing that authentic True, deep, spiritual love of the Lord can stand against. The gates of hell cannot stand against the kingdom of God. And we just need to keep storming it. Right. And I will say that one of the main sort of barricades that the enemy puts up is these divisions. So true. These camps that he tries to put us in to separate us. Because you know what? The enemy doesn't want us to know more about the glory of God. The enemy doesn't want us to see the Lord in each of us and learn just how great God is through each other. And so he separates us and prevents us from coming to that knowledge of the truth. And we need to keep battling against that enemy They're together. True.
1: And so Megan, what you're, what you're really saying here too is that we're building that culture in our own personal lives that is that of God to like want to bring everyone with us. So I really challenge our listeners is what is the culture in your home? Is it a culture of goodness and unity, striving to get everyone to heaven together, striving in virtue? Cause that is the culture that matters. That's the one that we need to bring to the world when, when God says, let it be done on earth as it is in heaven, that pulling down that we talk about, mm-hmm. that really pulling heaven to earth is building that culture in your life, in your home, in
0: your circumstance. Absolutely. For sure. And, you know, we haven't been shy about in the past talking about that we both believe that there are some really hard days to come and that we very well may be moving towards, you know, the the great tribulation that precedes the glory of our Lord. And I will guarantee you this when those days come, it won't matter where you grew up or what race you are in the end, faithfulness to the Lord will be the dividing line. So start joining arms with those people now and try to build the numbers of those people for those days that will come ahead. Because we're going to need each other. And the Lord wants to use each of us to come to know him better. So if we truly want to know the Lord, let's open our hearts to the people that are different from us that we can learn from. So much so. And also pray for those that you
1: are walking shoulder to shoulder with. Perhaps there's someone that is a, a, a negative influence that you need to let go. But perhaps there's relationships in your life that you need to, to work on and build up to work, to be
0: encouragers to one another in the Lord. Amen. I, I th- I'm really glad you said that, Pam, because if there are those people in your life, you're like, wow, you know, I, I do feel drawn to them. I do see their love for the Lord. But I'm kind of busy, so I'm not gonna ask him out to lunch or I'm not gonna have coffee with him or, or I'm gonna prioritize other things. No, start prioritizing I, these things. Absolutely. These relationships, they're important so and they good. are going to be the food that feeds you in the future. Mm. So prioritize relationships in your life, especially with those lovers of the Lord.
1: So good. So good.
0: All right. Well, yeah. that's all I got to say about it. And thank you for being that for me, Megan. Oh, yeah. Thank you. So, so thankful. Good. Amen. So, you know, I think uh, there's there's always going to be challenges. You know, there's always going to be, you know, misunderstandings and, and ways that it's hard to, to understand each other. But don't settle for, I just don't get you. Mm. Resp- you know, don't, don't give up that way. Sure. Be like, you know what, I'm struggling. You say, this is the better response. I'm struggling to get you. Help me understand. Let us have hearts where we seek to understand. Let us not be divided, but unified in Christ. Amen. Well, thank
1: you so much for walking with us shoulder to shoulder. Um, Until next time, God
0: bless. God bless.